0: Welcome
1: to Rema for today radio.
0: It's not only what you personally know about the Lord Jesus that counts, but it's what the word of God says you are in Christ that counts. I suggested to a group of people in one church that every single believer prepare a Bible lesson of their own, and if they were ever called upon to speak to some group, they would have more material than they would ever be able to use and could actually be a help and a blessing to the group to whom they spoke. I propose that they read through the New Testament, and I'm proposing this to you. Uh, especially the epistles for their full expression such as in Christ in Him and in whom.
1: Welcome to Rama for Today. Kenneth e. Hagan continues his teaching on right and wrong thinking. Find out more next on Rama for Today Radio. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's special radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth e. Hagan for today's message.
0: You know, friends, on the day of Pentecost, 120 People speaking in tongues did not save anybody. Not one was converted until Peter began to preach the word to them. Certainly we want signs and wonders and miracles, but they alone are not enough. The sinner will not be saved until someone tells him how. Somebody must preach the word to him. If our thinking is right along these lines, our believing will be right. Or if our thinking is not right and is wrong, then our believing will be wrong. Then when our believing is wrong, our talking will be wrong, and we will be confused and defeated. We need to realize what the Word of God can do through our lips, because the Holy Ghost is sent to help us. He is our helper. Too much of the time we just get blessed in church and pray, Lord, send the people in, and Lord, you get out and save the people. The truth of the matter is, that is our responsibility. We have the Holy Spirit to help us in getting the people into church, to help us to get people saved, to help us do the work of God. Unless we're going to do it, we're wasting all of our time with long hours of praying. I remember a number of years ago, a lady in a certain church uh, in one of our large cities asked me to pray for her. She said she'd fasted and prayed three days and three nights seeking God's will for her life. I asked her what she found out. She said that God wanted her to visit people, to hand out tracts, to do personal work. Well, I told her I could have saved you three days of fasting and praying if you'd asked me, because that's what God expects of all of his children. Now, if you do not see that and have a desire to witness and work for him, then you're either not saved or else you're a backslider, in one or the other. Now, I asked what she wanted me to pray about. She replied, well, I want you to pray that I'll do what he wants me to do. I said, no, I won't pray that. You you see, she knew what God wanted to do. It was up to her to do it. If you know what God wants you to do and you won't do it, then God have mercy on you. God will not make you do his will. I remember a number of years ago. A man down in East Texas, a member of a certain church, he's quite well off financially, but had never paid tithes or supported the church financially. Then one day he saw that the Bible taught tithing, so he stood up in the church and asked that the people pray for him that he'd pay his tithes. He said, I see now that it is Bible and it's scriptural. Now he did not need for anyone to pray for him that he would pay tithes. He just needed to obey what he could see that God's word had said. Now, that goes for many things in our lives. You see, I'm talking about right wrong thinking. If our thinking is wrong, it defeats us. We do not need to turn in prayer requests for some things. If we know what to do, then we should do it. This man didn't need to turn in a prayer request, pray for me that I will pay my tithes. He saw what the word had said. Then all he needed to do was obey it. Actually, the reason that some are asking for prayer in such matters is because that they do not want to do God's Word so they're trying to put the responsibility on God and not on themselves It's not only what you personally know about the Lord Jesus that counts, but it's what the Word of God says you are in Christ that counts. I suggested to a group of people in one church that every single believer prepare a Bible lesson of their own, and if they were ever called upon to speak to some group, they would have more material than they would ever be able to use, and could actually be a help and a blessing to the group to whom they spoke. I propose that they read through the New Testament, and I'm proposing this to you, uh, especially the epistles, for their full expression, such as, in Christ, in him, and in whom. Now, the, uh, the expression, these expressions, I should say, in Christ, in him, and in whom, are found in the New Testament over a hundred times. Now, there are two more that I add to this list, and uh, that do not have that expression, but they infer something we have in Him. And you may find some you want to add to the list. Now in all of these hundred and some odd expressions, they're talking about the individual believer or Christian about what he does have, not what he's going to get sometime, but what he does have or what he is now in Christ. Many Christians come to me and say, Brother Hagan, I read thus and so in the Bible. I know what the Bible says is true concerning Christians. I know I'm saved and filled with the Spirit, but the promise of the Word does not seem real to me. I then Ask them, have you ever acted as if it were real? Have you ever told anyone that it's so? Have you ever confessed it to be so? They many times answered, oh no, I wanted to wait and be sure first. I replied, why? Do you think the Bible lied? The Bible says it's so. Is the Bible a lie? Oh no. But I want it to become a reality within me, then I'll say it. But friends, the text said, with the mouth confession is made unto. A promise must be confessed. That, is, that it is so before it ever becomes so. That is a reality in your own life. It's true as far as God has said. Now, it's already so according to the word, but the reality or the vital part of it in your life becomes real through your confession with your mouth. I remember one, one day a lady that had been a Sunday school that had been to Bible school actually for uh, several years and then had uh, went on to a seminary and received her degrees in education and so on. And she was an educational director in the church where I was ministry. And I taught along this line while I was there. And I made the suggestion that the believers there do as I suggest, go through the New Testament, find these expressions, write them all down in Christ, in him and in whom, and write down both chapter and verse, and then begin to confess that that is so concerning me. Well, about a month later, I went back to the area to preach a fellowship meeting. This lady said to me, Brother Hagan, I did what you said. I've not found all the hundred and some odd scriptures, but I've found 25 of them, written them down, have meditated upon them, thought upon them, and have begun to confess that they are so concerning me. Now, I've been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost for a good many years. I was raised up in a Christian home, graduated from Bible school, then graduated from a seminary. But, you know, I feel as though I've just now been saved. These scriptures are so real that it seems I've just now been born again. Well, I told her the truth of the matter is, uh, or was, that she was born again way back there many years ago when she said she was. But she had never walked in the light of a Christian experience. She had this all along. It was hers. It belonged to her. But she had never dared to confess it and claim it. Therefore, she had never walked in the light of it. She had never enjoyed the reality of it. And so now then, she's beginning to walk in the light of what was hers all the time. When you confess what you are in Christ and walk in it, You just appropriate the reality of what is legally yours. Now, it's sad to say, friends, that many will never realize this, and they, they, they will remain baby Christians. They will never be able to enjoy the fullness of what they are in Christ because, you see, they read it in the Word, but they don't confess it, and it's with the mouth that confession is made unto. When we confess it, then we enjoy the reality of it. It becomes ours. We've been talking about right and wrong thinking, right and wrong confession, and the value of them. Remember our expressions, in him, in whom, and in Christ. They're used, I said in the Scriptures, in the New Testament, a hundred and some odd times. And then I added two more scriptures. I'm going to give these to you. I added uh, these scriptures. Uh, Colossians 1:13. It doesn't have the expression in him, in whom, or in Christ, but it infers something that we have in him. It says, who, referring to Christ, has delivered us from the authority of darkness. That means the authority of the devil. So that we have in him, as it's implied, we have in him deliverance from the authority of the power of darkness or the authority of the devil. Then I added 1 John 4.4 to Mylias. It says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so I began to confess that the greater one lives in me. Now, you may find some other scriptures that don't have the expression in him, in whom, and in Christ, but they infer something we have, and you could add them to your list. And so you could entitle your Bible lesson, uh, Bible facts, or you could call them in him facts, or redemption realities, or what I have in Christ. Now, I remember this, that after I uh, was saved on the bed of affliction and then raised up from the bed of affliction and healed by the power of God, I remember the first time I went to town after I'd been raised up from this bed of affliction. I saw a friend of mine who had been a pal before I became bedfast. We'd grown up together and had played together as youngsters. Now, immediately, he began to talk of things that we had done before I became a Christian and before I had become bedfast. Now, he was laughing and talking about these things, and I sat there as though I had a mask on, as though I did not know what he was talking about. Finally, he remarked, What's the matter with you? Don't you remember these things? You act as though uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, he went on and uh, talked about another deal we'd pulled and asked, don't you remember that? Well, I replied and answered to him, Lefty, the fella that you was with that night died. He's dead. Well, now, he said, I know you nearly died, but you didn't die. I know you. That's you sitting there. I said, uh, all of that to him on purpose, to get him stirred up uh, and to get him to think. And then I told him I did not die physically, but after all, it's not just your physical man that does wrong, it's also the man on the inside that gives the body permission to do wrong. My wrongdoing was a result of the spiritual death that was in my spirit, in my heart. There is an inward man. So I reminded him that the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Now, I don't have a new physical body, but thank God I'm going to have one someday. Nevertheless, the man on the inside is a new creature, and that old man is gone that used to do those things. There's a new creature there now. You know, a Christian is not just... A renovated person, renovated like a mattress is renovated, made over. It's still the same old mattress made over. No, he's a new creature. Uh, th- this is not a reformation. That This is something that never existed before. A new creature. Praise God. One translation reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new species. He's simply something that never existed before. We are not just forgiven sinners. We are not poor, weak, and staggering, barely getting along church members. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus.
1: You're listening to Rhema for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. If you'd like to find more life-changing resources, then visit rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Right now, I want to tell you about this month's special offer. When you call or go online, you'll be able to purchase the Heart of God package. The book from Ken Hagen, Listen to Your Heart, Kenneth Hagan's e. Hagen's DVD, Just Know God, and his slimline books, The Present Day Ministry of Jesus Christ and Right and Wrong Thinking. All these resources are twenty-four ninety-five. dollars Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, toll-free 888 faith 99 you can also order online at rhema.org that's r-h-e-m-a dot o-r-g rhema.org. or if you prefer to write kenneth hagan ministries our address is p.o box 50126 tulsa oklahoma 74150 we always love to hear from our listeners so write in or email us today and become a part of rhema for today Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagen.
0: We're also excited about Ramah Bible Church, Broken Era, oh, yes. Oklahoma and Rhema Bible Church, uh, Oklahoma City. Yes. And so if you're in the areas here, come and visit us at Rhema Bible Church. Here in Broken Era, we have services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but they're also live streamed. Yes. And so you live can streamed on Rayma.tv or go just go to rama.org and you can find us there.
1: Call now and ask the operator for this month's special radio offer. Three books and a DVD. Call today, toll free, 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or visit rama.org. Tomorrow on Rhema for Today, we'll continue Kenneth E. Hagen's life-changing series. That's next time on Rhema for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagen.